two, one, let's go. It's time to dad up. Welcome to the dad up podcast, the podcast for dads about dads being dads. Get ready for exciting guests talking about their experiences of parenting, the good and the not so good. Bang that subscribe button so you don't miss a single episode and let's get started. Here is your host, Brian Ward. Welcome to another episode of Dad Up, everyone. If you haven't subscribed yet, I know I say this at the beginning of all my calls, but if you haven't subscribed yet, make sure you hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any of the awesome guests like the one I have joining me today. He played professional soccer overseas and has quite the story. He will get into his story in our discussion today, and I'm really excited to hear more about it. But eventually, he discovered a new mindset, habits, identity, and career. He's now a pastor, an author, a teacher, and makes video content to, hope, to bring hope to others. Aside from being a former professional athlete and now a pastor, he's also a husband and father to four kids. It's a pleasure to welcome my good friend, Jesse Bradley, to Dad Up. Welcome to the show, brother. Brian, thank you so much. I appreciate your podcast, your passion to help parents. And also, I mean, you've ran a marathon, jumped out of airplanes, you know, championship basketball coach. And, and thank you for serving our country, too. And I know you're you're so active in so many levels with, with just a real desire to serve other people and that shows. So thank you. Oh, I appreciate you saying all that. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it, I, I find that uh, if I wasn't staying as active, I'd probably just be doing nothing but sleeping and, and <laughs> being lazy. So I've got to stay active and do things that I love and do things that uh, help me just, you know, my ultimate goal is just to be the best, next best version of myself each and every day. So that's what I try to do. So that's it. We're all thanks. learning and growing, but uh, that's keep right. going, keep going. That's right. That's right. Well, thank you very much. Well, listen, you know, I did it. I ran through a, just a lightning fast bio on you because I really want you to dive into your, to your, you know, your background and your history, because I think it's so unique. Um, so for my listeners who really don't know who you are, uh, let's just run through a background of Jesse and then how it's led you to where you are today. And then ultimately, obviously, this is a podcast for parents, obviously, uh, into your kids and your family as well. Thank you. You know, my parents got divorced when I was seven. So I'll start there with the Parenting Podcast. And that really shook up my life. I focused at that time on academics and athletics, played three sports in high school. Uh, basketball was one of them, but my talent was in soccer. So I went to Dartmouth College on the East Coast. And it was strong academically. It's an Ivy League school. And also our soccer team won the championship a couple times. And it was actually at Dartmouth. I never grew up with any faith or religion or anything like that. But I took a class, Introduction to World Religions, and the professor assigned the Bible. And it was the first time I learned about Jesus. And I was just blown away. I had hundreds of questions. And I really kicked the tires. But I got all the facts. And eventually I put my trust in the Lord. And so I became a Christian. But I didn't expect to be a pastor and played overseas. You know, I ended up playing in America, Scotland, and also Zimbabwe. And in Zimbabwe, I took a prescribed medication to prevent malaria, built up toxic levels in my system. I was fighting for my life for a year. It was so brutal. It's like this massive drug overdose, not just physically, like my heart with a racing heartbeat, 160 beats a minute, and atrial flutter and murmur and skip beats, but also all the psychological stuff, of panic attacks and depression and just waves, even suicidal thoughts would come in at points. And so it took 10 years to fully recover. And I got to tell you, my life was really rebuilt during that time. And I, I wanted my house to be a house on the rock and not the sand. And I just felt like I had lost everything. And I didn't know how to cope. I didn't know how to walk through that. And I believe some of the greatest things in life can come out of the worst circumstances. 
And mm-hmm. I have a, a hope right now that is so strong. And I just want to spread that hope to other people who are going through difficult times. Uh, we have a real need for hope in our country. Parents need hope. And so any opportunity I have, like conversations like this, I like to be real, like to go deep and just share some of the things I've learned or am learning right now and make it practical for people too. And that's awesome. Now, um, about your kids, you said you have four kids. What uh, what are their names? What are their ages? Yeah, we have three boys and one girl. And we also have adopted one of the four, three biological, but all four are our children. We love our children. I believe every child is a gift. Every child is to be celebrated. Every adoption story, I also think, is a healing story. And so that's been a journey. And it's been so fulfilling. It's It's not easy. You know, when you think about joining a new family, if you put yourself in the child's shoes and also those kids who are adopted oftentimes have had a lot of trauma, but we are very close as a family. Uh, my girl, you know, being the only girl, we've always lived in neighborhoods where there's a lot of boys too. So she, she is strong. She knows how to hold her own. Uh, we have a dog named Bella, who's a girl. We intentionally chose a girl there and also a hamster, Kiwi, who's a girl. We're trying to get a little balance. Uh, but overall, you know, with with our four kids, they are now 11, 11, 12 and 14. Very close in age, kind of feels wow. like uh, triplets or quadruplets and a lot of energy. And so mm. I, I joke, I don't know if they're aging us or keeping us young, but we're trying to keep up. And uh, whether it's jumping on the trampoline, playing games in front, just a, a lot of different stuff at our house. We, we are also the house in the neighborhood where all the kids love to come. So the doorbell just constantly rings. There's more kids coming over. And we enjoy that, too, because we love people and a lot of relationships there. Mm, that's very cool. And I love how you talk about balancing, you know, the boys and the girls in the house, because it's one thing that drives my wife crazy because I have two, you know, we have two boys. They're both adults. We have two boys, 22 and 19, but we also have a dog and he's a boy. And so my wife says that she constantly feels, you know, ganged up. She's got, you know, (laughs) she's dealing with four boys in the house and she wants, you know, we've been talking about getting another dog and it absolutely has to be a girl. Yes. (laughs) Yes. It's so true. And when you go on vacation and they bring their friends with them, you know, the boys just multiply. So you're Right. right. Some balance is good. Yeah. So we, we, I mean, we have nieces and stuff like that, that my wife has, you know, gone to get, you know, nails done and things like that. But I had to, I had to take up the whole pedicure manicure thing uh, to kind of appease my wife and and go on these little dates with her to get her nails done. So I go and get my nails done as well. So (laughs) you're secure in your manhood. You're just going to put that out there for everyone to know. Well done. That's right. That's the way to do it. Servant leadership right there. (laughs) All right. Exactly. Well, I want to back up just a little bit because I want to talk about Zimbabwe a little bit. I mean, you said you, you know, you had to take this medication to kind of fight um, to to protect you from uh, getting malaria and all that. But you said you really, I mean, even though it took 10 years for you to really recover from it, you were really um, struggling with it for about a year there. Uh, Did that impact your soccer playing ability? I mean, how did it impact your your sports? Yeah, the doctors didn't know if I was going to live and make it. They didn't know what functioning would return. I realized if I was going to be in my right mind, it would be the grace of God. If I would ever get physical strength back, it would be the grace of God. I couldn't control it. There's no formula for it. And it was very gradual. The Drug has a half-life of a month. It stays in your system. And a lot of the side effects never go away. 
So literally I had heart problems for 10 years and, and mm. finally there was that breakthrough. And for anyone who's listening and you're in a chronic condition, you just know what a test that is. And a lot of changes in my life, I had to be intentional with being grateful. I started to write down 10 things every day that I'm thankful for. I wanted to thank God because it was easy to overfocus on what I lost. Yes, I needed to be mourning, but I also needed hope. And to intentionally identify and give thanks, I realized, look, I still have this. And that, that moves you forward out of a rut and out of a pit when you're giving thanks. I also started to chart progress because my walking, you know, eventually moved from 10 minutes a day to 20 minutes a day, but it didn't feel like I was making much progress. So I had to look at the chart and say, all right, over many months, now I can walk a little further and actually celebrate that progress. A big one for me was my coping mechanism in life was just to try harder, white knuckle, do better, do better in school, do better with sports, you know, and improve. And this was a shift for me to let people in to the pain, let people into the disappointment. And even in my prayers, instead of just intellectual and theological, to actually receive God's love and encouragement, let him into the messy, disappointing parts of my life, the dark places in my life. And it's letting people in. There's a lot of healing. A lot of times I believe there's no healing until there's a revealing. And that was all new to me. I mean, I'm still learning that in some ways. But to emotionally go there, that, that was also significant. And uh, there were a lot of different things. I started to get habits. I believe you can't control the first thought that jumps in, but you can decide if you're going to harbor it, believe it, entertain it. And I had so many destructive thoughts flooding into my mind that I had to learn how to say no, push that aside, reject it, and then intentionally think about what's true, what's good. And uh, I started to even memorize the Bible. I'd never read the Bible growing up. And so I had good thoughts that I would focus on, write them down, memorize things, but just true things overall. And so there was a battle between my ears that was pretty fierce, but I, I started to learn how to win that battle. And when you have healthy thinking, that's going to lead to healthy living. And so there were a lot of changes in my life. And ultimately, I also became a pastor and didn't see that coming. It ends up being a really good fit. You know, I believe we all have different gifts and sometimes we don't see the biggest blessings coming in life. And I didn't see this one coming, but I'm in a role now and I, I've served in Iowa and California and now Seattle where I get to serve the community. I get to connect with a wide range of people, people from every nation. You know, I get to teach and counsel and see a lot of healing and life change. And it's so fulfilling. I wake up every day excited, genuinely, but I never anticipated this. And sometimes uh, there's a refining that happens in, in trials that a new direction in your life will come forth. And for me, I love sports. I still do. But life wasn't going that way anymore. And when you're playing professional sports, your body's your livelihood. And when your body can't produce, then your career's over. And so that transition for me wasn't one that, you know, I just chose and wanted and it was on my terms. It wasn't. It was like a door slammed shut. And now what's next? And, and that was a process that took time, but it's hard to steer a parked car. So if you're not sure where you're going or, you know, even if you're thinking about a different career, start with a hobby, start shadowing people, start learning and then start using your gifts and you're going to get confirmation. You'll hear feedback from other people, affirmation as well, and then keep walking on that road. And that's, that's a fun adventure. And, uh, you know, even the worst times can be redeemed. And, and I believe that's grace, an undeserved gift. Mm. 
I love all that. And I love that, you know, you started off with saying, talking about how you've, you know, you started writing 10 things that you're grateful for every day. I don't think people really understand the impact that that has not only on your day, but on your life, on your weeks, on your month, on your year. Yeah. I mean, the, the fact that you sat and writ, wrote down 10 things every day, it completely, it changes your mindset. It can help get rid of anxiety mm -hmm. and stress within mm -hmm. us. Um, and it's so, so important uh, that people understand journaling is another big area. I mean, that's like, that's like journaling. Yeah. Journaling is another key area that really helps get you focused and, and get you back, get you on the right track to where you want to be, um, helps relieve stress, anxiety. All those things are so important. So, yes. um, that's awesome. That's awesome. I mean, I try to journal every single day for just a few minutes. And I, what I do is I just journal the first few thoughts that are coming out of my mind, mm -hmm. because I know mm -hmm. that those are, those are things that are, that are kind of weighing me down. I want to get them out on paper. So I know exactly what I need to take care of for the day. Yeah. Um, so that's awesome. And I think you also talked about, you know, our habits become our decisions. I mean, the more things that you do over and over and over again, whether they're good or bad, those are no longer habits. Those are decisions you're making. So if you're doing something bad, like for me, just kind of, I'm, I'll keep it real with you. When I, when I was struggled with alcohol uh, mm -hmm. over 12 years ago, I was struggling with alcohol yeah. and I had to make a decision for my family. I can't have this habit in my life anymore. I need to get rid of it because mm -hmm. I grew up with it. I don't want my boys growing up with it. So I made the decision to stop. Awesome. And 12, 12 years this September later, yep. I haven't had a single drink. And it's because of that decision that I made. So you make those right. decisions to change your habits. So, so good. That's awesome. So good. Yes. Yeah, habits are transformative. I mean, they can be negative habits, positive habits. But when you start to build them into your life, then they are their life-giving. And they're small decisions. They're daily decisions a lot of times that have major implications. And there's crossroads. And I love the one you just shared as part of your story. I love that transparency, too. And you're reaping the benefits. Benefits now. I mean, you reap what you sow, but there's benefits when you are intentional about habits that are going to be inspiring and also bless your relationships in your life. Mm, yes, exactly. Um, now, let me ask you a couple questions because I, I don't want to keep you very long. I know you got you're a busy guy, so I want to get, uh, get some questions in here. But you know, as a former professional athlete, you know, former professional soccer player, you understand what it takes to pursue your dreams. Um, how do you encourage your own kids to pursue their dream? I think there's a, a few key pieces right here. One is um, let the kids be who they actually are, not who I want them to be. I mean, they're going to be different than me. They're going to have different interests and styles. Even the ones that play sports, they do it so differently than I did. I was very direct and go for it and competitive, and they're, they're a little more chill. Uh, another piece is I think that it's revealed and it starts young about what's in their heart, some of their dreams and their enjoyment. And, you know, we have one child who's very creative and I'll just play pretend and do creative stuff. I've got another child who loves projects and let's do some things and get it done. Another one who's really into sports, another one who likes to think through things, very analytical. And I see their talents at a young age. It's, it's stayed true. And I think if you encourage them and uh, even celebrate, because there's not one dream that's better than another, but if authentically. I have joy about who they are and their dreams. And then there's going to come a point for every parent where there's sacrifices. It's going to involve a lot of rides. I mean, sometimes my wife and I, we just feel like chauffeurs or taxi drivers. And here right. comes Uber. It's like another practice, another game, another event. And it's going to involve money. I mean, for dreams to come true, there needs to be good coaching and mentors and you invest a lot. But I'd say it's worth it. And, and so for parents, there's always going to be that check on unselfish, especially around the areas of kids' dreams. And you're going to need to go that extra mile. But identify who they are, celebrate them, 
um, enter in with them, even from an early age, and then make the sacrifices so they can see, you know, the fruit and just have the joy of um, seeing those dreams become reality. Yeah, it's so important for us as parents to um, encourage and uh, kind of help our kids find the what they're passionate about and encourage that passion. Uh, because I, I do see, you know, as being an, being a coach uh, for, you know, youth today, you know, I coach high school bar- varsity basketball mm-hmm. um, uh, players and, you know, I've coached for 18 years and to see, I do see coaches out there that, that, and parents that really push their kids into, into playing sports yeah. and they may not necessarily want to be out there. Right. I've heard players say, I, yeah, I'm only out here because my parents want me to play. That's not, the, that's not the direction we want to send our kids because ultimately it will end up, something will happen and, and they'll start to rebel in other ways. My own son, for instance, he was an athlete. He, he, he wanted to play ba- baseball, mm-hmm. but at 10 years old, he decided he didn't want to play baseball anymore. And mm-hmm. he was very scared to tell me. He's like, yeah. dad, I have to tell you something. I, I really just don't want to play baseball anymore. Well, he was playing basketball for, he had been playing basketball for a couple of years. And I said, well, that's okay, but you got to do something. I mm-hmm. want you to have a, 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 a social life outside of, you know, home and school. So you got to do something. He goes, I just want to focus on basketball. And I said, well, that's great. That's fine. You know, I, I, I want them to be, find their passion and go after it. So that's awesome. It's great. Yeah, yeah. that's exactly right. Yeah. Now let me ask you this, you know, kids kind of growing up in a tough world, as we know, a tough world today and and are facing some adversity in in different areas. But what would you say is a tool that parents could use to give their kids to kind of overcome adversity? You know, adversity is something that's tough to watch as a parent. And I went through a lot as a kid that my kids aren't going through. And, you know, they haven't had parents who have been divorced. Um, They've grown up knowing that God loves them and very secure. You know, growing up for me, there was poverty, you know, at different points in, in my journey with my family. And my kids haven't gone through that. And there's one part of me that wants to protect them from all that. But then there's another part where I know that adversity can really be used to build character. And so what I would say to parents is uh, come alongside uh, with your kids and listen to them, continue to draw them out because they're going to face things you didn't face too. And it could be maybe they're in a dating relationship and it's over, or they um, are getting bullied and you never got bullied, or uh, it could be something to have to do with their weight or self-image or, you know, there's just so many challenges kids face these days. And I think if you can First of all, stay close with your kids. Have a close relationship. So when they go through the adversity, they're going to share it with you. You might need to ask questions and draw it out and just be a really good listener. Don't pounce on responses and don't just overwhelm them with advice, but try to listen so that they feel safe sharing their heart with you. And then hopefully uh, you're also going to have the opportunity to give them some specific guidance or encouragement uh, to know your kids well enough to see kind of what inspires them and, and what they need there. There might be some mid-course redirections through that adversity, but just debrief with them. What are they learning through this? And uh, how can you provide some hope, support them as well? Uh, you know, one thing I see in terms of adversity is there's a lot of more temptation for kids with phones and there can even be addictions. And, and I'll take something like pornography, for example, and maybe this is for parents with older kids, but how do you break out of you know that kind of addiction? And as parents, sometimes you do need to set up limits. It could be that, hey, there's nothing on the phone or the computer after 9 p.m., you know, because that's where the trouble is. Or a child can't use their phone or computer when they're alone or in the room with the door closed uh, could be an example. 
or it could be accountability. Like here's some blockers we're going to set up for the phone. Uh, could be that parents have access to passwords and can look at what's on the phone anytime. Uh, helping our kids think through who their friends are is another one. Cause there's certain friends that are going to maybe br- corrupt their character in some ways. And so helping them think through and choosing their friends. And ultimately sometimes it's beyond what a parent can do. And there's no shame in getting some professional help. If there's an addiction or a trial uh, there's, there's pastors, there's counselors, and there's people who really help thousands of others who are going through that. And that could be a good resource too. So based on the adversity, sometimes it's out of our control. Sometimes it's something we're choosing, but from adversity to addictions, there's a lot of help. And as a parent, I, I think the closeness in the relationship is the key. And then out of that, the combination of speaking some things that are true as you protect your child and sometimes inform your child, but also there's a lot of love and grace and support and understanding as you enter in. And when they're hurting, hurt with them, you know, and, and really feel what they're feeling. And, uh, and I always say prayer is powerful too. Mm, Yeah, absolutely. Man, you touched on a lot of key points and a lot of the things that I actually talk about in my podcast and, uh, you know, it all starts with, you know, our communication and the level of trust and, and the bond that we have with our kids, you know, honestly, as we know, as, as parents, that, that bond and that level of communication starts when they're very, very young Yes, before really, even when they're even facing any real big adversity, because you want to start to build that bond when they're young. So that way, when they do get older and they start to face those trials, that they'll be, they'll have be comfortable enough to come to you. I've always told my boys, Mm -hmm. I don't care what you've done, good or bad you can always come to me and you can always know that I will have your back 100% regardless of what you've done. So um, communication is so key. And, and, and if your child is facing the adversity, like you, you had, you had alluded to it, it it will take time. It may take time to ask the right questions and get what's bothering them out of them. Mm -hmm. It'll take time. But Mm -hmm. as long as you are just being open with them and not demanding and, and, and just letting them know at their level, you're there for them. It's so important. And you also, I'm glad you touched on friends because the one thing that drives me nuts is parents that don't know who their kids hang out with. Mm. That drives me nuts because Mm -hmm. we we've heard about before you're, you're a product of the five people you hang out with most. And if those five friends are not uh, good influences around you, your, your child is going to end up in some situation that's not going to be good for them. So know who your kids' friends are. That's so important. I'm so glad you touched on all those. Those are key. Yeah, and kids really need to know that you care. They need a non-anxious presence. And I'll tell you, that's uh, counterintuitive. It doesn't feel natural. When you hear something from your kid and it kind of jolts you, and on the inside, you're starting to feel scared, like, oh, they're filling out of a class. Like, who's their best friend? Like, what did they just decide? But you can't project and bring all that anxiety and dump it on them. So internally, you, you've got to continue um, to be calm sometimes. It's like a relaxed concern. Even though your emotions and your face just wants to you know, scream and eyes pop out, you, you need to enter in in a way that is reasonable, that is calm, that's supportive. And there are going to be times where you're very stern, but it's not an anxious presence. You don't want to project all your anxiety on them. And uh, I see it sometimes grandparents have a great demeanor because it's like they love the grandchild so much, but they don't put too much pressure, you know, and sometimes as parents, if it's someone else's kid, oh, we'll give great advice how to handle that. But then when it's our kid, it's like, are you kidding me? And then, you know, we blow a fuse and it's so important to have self-control 
and then to uh, enter in in a way that the child's going to be able to continue to stay close to you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, boundaries are important and, and grandparents tend to have less boundaries than the, than, than the parents do. But right. um, boundaries, I mean, structure boundaries are super important. And you kind of talked about, you know, kids with, you know, that might have some sort of addiction like pornography or something like that, where they're taking their phones or their iPads or their laptops into their bedrooms and things like that. That's not good for them. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that you brought that up because I just partnered with a company called Canopy that uh, actually blocks um, pornography and nudity from phones, from mm-hmm. cell phones, from, from iPads. So um, it's so cool that you, uh, that you mentioned that because it is, you're right. Kids need boundaries, period. It's a constant temptation for kids, and not only kids, but everyone is spending so many hours a day on our phones, and it's just one click away. You know, it's one swipe away. Yep. And so really, uh, to guard our hearts from some things that are going to be destructive. Yeah, absolutely. Now, do you have time for me to ask you one more question? Because I don't want to keep Go you for it, a right? little long. Okay, yeah, cool. I've enjoyed it. Um, awesome. Well, you know, as a pastor, what advice would you give to parents that may have teenagers that may be going through some personal struggles and maybe their relationship with Jesus. Because I know that, you know, just in my experience uh, growing up, I've seen friends that kind of grew up in church, but then when they hit those teenage years, they kind of start to drift. And I've seen it not only in, in friends that I grew up with, but also in my own household where I've had, you know, a child that has drifted. And it's not so much that they've drifted or lost hope in Jesus, but that they've just kind of gotten sidetracked with their own agendas and their own personal agendas. So what would you say to parents that may be struggling with something like that? Yeah, I I believe that relationships are healing, especially positive relationships. And a positive relationship with God, a positive relationship with parents and friends, uh, it could be, you know, on a few levels that the child has some needs that are not getting met or they have pain, that they need some healing. And one thing I've noticed from my kids over the years is that what they write down in terms of my birthday and cards they make, what they communicate there is that they love having fun together. And, you know, that could be daddy chase. That could be sometimes dad jokes. That could be playing together outside. It could be a game. It could be something we go to, go out to eat. But I'd say don't neglect that part of the relationship because relationships are built on trust and that closeness that you have. You're going to be able to communicate and share things with them, speak into their lives when they're going through their most difficult times. And in the context of faith, uh, what we noticed and thought about early on is that our little kids, they're more than just intellect, more than just emotion, more than just a physical body, but they have a soul, a soul that's hungry. And we thought as parents, we want to feed them. So we got into a habit each night before bed where we say a prayer together and we read a little bit of the Bible together. For us, that that's worked. And it's just been a steady where even if we're not around, whoever's taking care of them, they'll say, hey, we want the Bible. We want the prayer. And you can start at any age. If that's not something you're doing, I encourage you to find a healthy church. Maybe you start with your kids and just bring that in, especially, you know, if that's important to you and that's uh, how you do life and, and your relationship with God, bring that out into your kids' lives as well. And it doesn't just have to be at a church or just before bedtime. It's where you live, work, learn, or play. It's conversation. It flows. It's when you go. It's how you process things. And I think every child underneath wants to know that they're secure, they're loved by God, they're loved by uh, their parents, and to be secure in that love as well. And so I think that growing relationship is, is so helpful. And I think that um, when a child is 
secure and joyful on the inside, it's going to flow into everything else they're doing. So I grew up as a kid who never, again, heard about God, heard about God's love. And so it's a passion for me. I'm just sharing from my own experience because I know what that's like. And on the outside of my life, I thought, okay, I've got grades, I've got friends, I've got sports, I've got you know a good school, I've got uh, parties, I've got all these different things. And I couldn't figure out why I was still empty on the inside. I couldn't figure it out. And, and Jesus raises that question, which I looked at in college, what does it profit you to gain everything in the whole world, but then forfeit your soul, have that emptiness? And uh, Augustine said, our hearts are restless till we find our rest in you. And I, I see it over and over again, where kids will come into church and sometimes the parents don't even come into church, but the kids will discover it first and then the parents discover it. And there's just a joy and a peace in the household. There's a closeness when you know that God is there and loves you and together as a family, you're close. And that's powerful. You just feel like, oh, this is so good. This is so right. Like, why did we wait to have this? And you can have it at any time. And I also believe that along the way, you know, we make mistakes constantly as parents and it's one of the most stretching things in my entire life. And uh, I, I just can't tell you how every day I'm trying to balance work and home and connect with the kids and every day is different. There's no formula, but I believe this, when you mess up, you can just tell the kids, you know, I blew it there. I overreacted there. I wasn't there. I said I would do this, but I didn't. And you just own it and, and kids are understanding. And if things aren't where you want them to be right now, uh, you can take some steps today. I, I hope that this encourages you in your parenting. So many parents are doing so much better than they think and feel, but we're all growing and learning. And I hope that there's something practical today that you'd say, you know, let's implement this. Let's start doing this. And it could be the spiritual growth part of it, but let's start doing this. For our family during COVID, we started to have more family meals together. We started to do that every night. And that was so different than before COVID. So make those mid-course adjustments, do those things that are going to build up your family. And I think about this all the time. There's a lot of people who could be a pastor at the church where I'm a pastor, but there's only one person in the world who could be the dad to my kids and mm -hmm. husband to my wife. And focus and do those roles well, because at the end of your life, at the end of your days, I, I don't hear a lot of people. And I, I'll tell you, I've been with a lot of people in their last part of their lives and I don't hear too many of them saying, well, it would have been nice if I worked five more hours a week on the job. But mm. I do hear a lot of them say, oh, if I would have connected more, oh, with my family, those relationships and relationships, when the quality of relationships are good, the quality of your life is good. And we need to invest in those relationships. And I'm preaching to myself because it's so easy to neglect or take for granted or just for me personally, after work, bring home the leftovers. And I believe that that's not going to be a fulfilling path for myself and my family. So I'm constantly making adjustments every day. And uh, those adjustments are ones that I believe honor God and just bring health to relationships. I love all that. You, you shared so much there and I appreciate it. And, you know, one of the things that I will say just to kind of um, cap off what you just talked about is... Um, as parents, you know, we're doing the best that we can mm -hmm. and we have to learn to give ourselves some grace. There you go. Because if we don't, then we're just going to keep searching for that perfect parent and we're never going to find it. So give yourself yes. some grace. And uh, you're right. I mean, I, I'm, one of my goals in life is that when I'm on my, on my, you know, way out uh, to, to meet my heavenly father, that I have no regrets. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's my ultimate goal. So, uh, 
So that's, that's awesome. I, I listen, I, it, this has been a lot of fun. I wish we could, keep, we, I mean, we could literally keep going for another couple hours. It's this been is, a great time, Bryce. This is awesome. Um, listen, if my pastor, if my, if my listeners wanted to look you up, learn a little bit more about you, what's the best place for them to do that? And then, uh, I don't know if you wanted to, uh, say, talk about where you pastor, what church you pastor at. Sure. Yeah. You can check us out online, graceinauburn.com. That's Grace Community Church in Auburn, Washington, outside of Seattle, Grace auburn.com and then personally i just put together a website the last year jessebradley.org j-e-s-s-e-b-r-a-d-l-e-y.org and on there we're giving just free content i don't monetize anything and there's videos to build up your marriage that are very practical so check those out jessebradley.org and then reach out on social media love to connect with you and we're all journeying together you know i think of parents that have little kids my sister has a little one right now and it is just incredible for parents just to make it through some days when you're you know loss of sleep so many needs juggling a job sometimes i just want to say well done parents keep going and the kids are worth it. Awesome. Well, very cool. Well, I'll definitely uh, make sure I mention uh, the church and also uh, your website on the uh, on the link. But listen, it has been so awesome to have you on. I, I'm glad that we've gotten to know each other. I'm glad we've become friends. And I'm looking forward to continuing our friendship. But I, you know, more, more so than I just appreciate who you are as an individual, who you are as a dad. You represent the data community well. And uh, I just appreciate you being on the show today, brother. Brian, thank you so much. And I'm so grateful you've got a podcast for parenting. And I just resonate with so much of what you're saying. Thanks for listening to the Dad Up Podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next weekly episode. While you're at it, leave a rating and review. And if you know someone this show can help, be sure to share it with them. Want to learn more? Check out the website at daduptribe.com or leave Brian a message on Instagram at daduppodcast. Podcast.